Welcome to CruxCast. Whether you're in your car, at work, or at home, we hope you enjoy this interview. And if you do, you can find more like it on cruxinvestor.com. So please subscribe. We speak today to Sam Springs, CEO of Concura Copper, the TSXV listed explorer with assets in Mongolia and Australia. They have spent a lot of time, effort, and money in Mongolia developing uh, Bronze Fox as you know, one of their projects. It uh, hasn't quite worked out. Actually, Sam talks to us about the working environment in Mongolia. They've segued over to Australia into the Lachlan Fold uh, Gold Belt, um, very prospective and uh, prestigious area, lots of big names there. We talked about what he hopes to be able to do with 2.8 million bucks left in the kitty and how they're going to deliver value for shareholders for the rest of this year. Enjoy what Sam has to say. Hey Sam, how are you doing sir? Very good, thank you for having me. No problem, no problem. It's good to, uh, good to meet you. First time we've spoken to you, So, and, but you're going to tell us today all about your company. So where are you based actually? Where are you sitting today? I'm sitting down in Melbourne, uh, so evening here. Right, okay. And But you're, you're TSX big company, but you're Melbourne based, your assets are in Australia. Um, and I guess we're, we're going to find out why in a second. But first of all, why don't you give us a one minute overview of the company and then we'll pick it up from there. Yeah, King Cora, from a, from a little bit of background, um, has been hunting copper porphyries in the southern Gobi of Mongolia. That's uh, Mongolia's leading copper porphyry belt, best known by the Oyotogoi project, which is Rio's largest growth project. We've systematically advanced um, the district trail portfolio, made one big low-grade discovery at Bronze Fox, and in the last six months really uh, picked up a district-scale district portfolio in Australia's leading porphyry belt, the Macquarie Arc of the Lachlan Fold Belt, and we're just kicking off drilling at the first project there. So hunting porphyries um, with a team that have found multiple Tier 1 projects before, John Holiday, Peter Lehman, both credited with, uh, with large discoveries and, and looking to do that again. Fantastic. Okay, thanks for that. Um, let's do a little bit of history before we kind of get into the plan here. So this company's been around for a while. You've had, obviously, Bronze Fox in Mongolia happen. Um, and then it's kind of fallen away, shall we say, since then. So what, what, and this is all part of the journey of exploration companies. It, it's, it's tough to kind of get those things rolling. So can you take us on that journey since like 2012, so broadly what's happened during that time? And then, you know, what have you been trying to do during that period? Yeah, that's a good question, Matthew. We've been, I guess, picking up district scale land and working it, not land banking it drilling it, testing it, killing it, and that's the nature of exploration. The odds are that most projects and holes that you drill aren't going to be the successful ones. But you've got to systemic, systematically work them up, test them, improve the odds as best you can. And um, the sweet spot for a junior is that target testing drilling where you can have that discovery hole re-rate. So in Mongolia, we've gone from having about 1,800 square kilometres of land and really working that quite hard. We've been the most active group. Um, picking up land, testing new targets, and I guess uh, the, the challenge that anyone's gotten and us having worked in Mongolia, we love the country, we love the geology, but it's increasingly hard with the legislative environment where less than 4% of the country's got expiration tenure. So if you can't rebuild your pipeline, you can't have a sustainable model because you may drill things, kill them, and then what have you got left? So midway through last year, we undertook a pretty meaningful raising, 6.25 million Canadian. Um, there was a reasonable budget there for project generation. We drilled three, three different projects late last year in Mongolia. Um, and I guess 
some of those results were somewhat disappointing, but that money, I guess, enabled us to build up our pipeline. Um, we've still got Bronze Fox and we're going through a mining license conversion there, but, um, but I guess with the Lachlan Fold Belt, um, there's one particular project there that we found that was extremely compelling and in the process we've picked up 1700 square k's. So similar sort of strategy is what we've done in Mongolia. Let's turn that ground over, let's get the drill bit turning and test these targets that are in the right rocks, in the right terrains. Most of these ones in the Lachlan Fold Belt have had some pretty meaningful exploration so you can get to that sweet spot of target testing pretty quickly. Okay, so so let's just stay on Mon- Mongolia because I, I want to sort of understand that. So with with Bronze Fox, um, you've had some success, and you're well. What, what are how much value would you attribute to it? Given that I think a month ago your market cap was about let's go seven million Aussie. Today twenty one. So obviously some good news, but let let's stick with is the market or are you attributing any value to any of the assets? in Mongolia, given what you just said about the working environment? Yeah, really good question. Um, I guess the the environment at the moment is uh, you've got an election next month ahead of elections in Mongolia and a lot of emerging markets. Investors get pretty nervous. Um, With COVID, they locked down very quickly and very aggressively at the end of January and have done a great job. So it's a pretty hard operating environment there. And I guess in terms of investor sentiment, if you were to drill 50 metres of good copper in Mongolia, get the same interval in New South Wales, share price reaction is going to be completely different. And for a junior, unfortunately, that's how your time horizons are somewhat judged. So I guess notwithstanding that, what we've picked up in New South Wales, if you were to rank projects by projects, like what we do in our workshop approach, and they all fight for the same investment dollars. What we've got at Trundle where we're drilling now is a real standout project. Since I've been with Concours in 2012, it's the it's the most obvious, most compelling um, project that we've had. So extremely excited by that, notwithstanding what jurisdiction it's sitting in. I get it. I get it. We'll, we'll come on to that, I promise. But let, let's, let's just stick with because I want, I want people new to this story or even existing shareholders to understand where what you guys are thinking with regards to the, the time, money and effort spent in Mongolia. Are you saying, look, we're going to park Mongolia, Bronze Fox and anything else that you've got there to one side for now, because it may have some value later, or are you resigned to saying, well, we gave it a go. It's the nature of exploration. Investors, yeah, exploration is high risk, high returns. That's what it's all about, right? We place our bets. Um, are you saying that let's just focus 100% on Australia because we've got something good there. In the field, that's what we're doing at the moment. What we're doing, I guess, corporately with Bronze Fox is we've made a big discovery. We've spent very meaningful investment dollars on it. Um, We have made a discovery. So for our existing shareholders, we want to show that we have followed the process. In hindsight, you wouldn't have done anything different. Get security of tenure with the mining licence, which in a jurisdiction like Mongolia, adds value um, to an in a technical report, which we're in the process of. And then I suppose put some numbers and something tangible about what we've achieved there. Um, I guess there is some inherent value with that project. And you have a look at Xanadu Mines, for example, listed in Australia, listed in Canada. Um, in the last quarter, they did a very good deal um, with JogMet, the Japanese group, for their secondary project, Red Mountain, which isn't too dissimilar to Bronze Fox um, in our mind. It's outside of the Devonian belt. It's a large system, got some okay grade. 
at Bronze Fox, we've got about 400 million tonnes at 0.3 in a block bond. That's not JORC or 43101 compliant. So we want to put some numbers around that because, again, for particularly for our historical shareholders, there has been a lot of good work done with that project and that is a big system um, by anyone's account. We're not pretending it's a development project, but we want to try and put some value parameters around that. And Mongolia is there. We've got a team that's now um, pretty much focused on helping us in New South Wales. But when the cycle turns and it is a cyclical industry with jurisdictions as it is with commodity prices, we'll be very well positioned to benefit from that. Okay. so. Last question on it, I promise, is <laughs> how much more money and what's the timing of that spend or attribution of that money to Mongolia to be able to put you in a position where you've got some numbers and you can talk to people about either monetizing it or make the decision to hold on until a, another cycle comes around? Yeah, at, at the moment with Bronze Fox, the key thing is that mining license conversion process. That's time um, more than that hard dollars so how long that process is having operated in the country as long as i have knowing that there's an election just around the corner um it wouldn't be particularly accurate if i said okay. we'll get a mining license by three months six months but the key thing is solidify what we've done there um, keep looking um, and have a finger on the pulse if investor sentiment or a really good other opportunity um, comes our way We'll definitely look at it, but I guess at the moment we're busy trying to make the last deal we've just done work in Australia. Right. So, well, I guess coming back to the original question, which was, you know, do you put a numerical value on that, or do you say that's a nil 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 value on the books uh, until it is of value? Well, yeah, it's a good question. I guess if you look at Xanadu, for example, at the moment and current market conditions, these guys have drilled the best hole to date at their Karmatai project, excellent drill hole. They've done a very good deal with Jogmet for their secondary asset and the market response to that has been somewhat muted. So I guess bearing that in mind, that um, as much as we'd like to go in and do more work, gives us a feeling that until this election's over, until some issues regarding Oyotogoi or investor sentiment picks up or the copper price picks up, at the moment you're seeing a really strong market for juniors in Australia. Discoveries are getting really well rewarded. Again, not having the luxury of a major where you can run a couple of year budget. Um, the money and the effort really is being focused in Macquarie Arc. Right. So the flip side of that is that people are valuing what you've got in Australia. So let's talk about Australia. Um, you, I saw the press release recently. You talked about you know positive visual drill results. So assay's not done yet. So uh, you, you've gone early with that one. So what what got you excited about the drill results visually? Yeah, it's <laughs> a good question, Matthew. Um, I guess. And, and sort of coming back to the history of Mongolia and Australia, in a pretty short time horizon by the industry standards, we've gone from a, picking up a couple of licences recently, doing an MOU with a Aussie listed company at the end of January, to closing that deal and now drilling on that sort of the crown of the jewels in that project at Trundle. And the reason why we're excited about Trundle is that it's um, the only brownfield project held by a listed junior in Australia's foremost copper belt, um, porphyry belt. 
It's in a brownfield environment to North Parks. It's in the same intrusion. It's in the same mineralised system. And as you know, quite often the best place to find a new mine um, is in the shadow, the head frame of an existing mine. And um, 60,000 metres of drilling in the past at Trundle, over 92% of those holes are only in the top 50 metres. You see a lot of smoke in that top 50 metres. Um, but when you have a look at the nature of the systems in this belt, most of the high-grade deposits that make Katie or the company maker for Newcrest or make North Park so attractive for China Molly or make Cal the, the flagship for evolution are below that depth. And Friedland had the right idea with his company HBX that came back at Trundle in 2015 and brought its deeper seeing penetrating typhoon geophysical survey. His concept there was search below that previous exploration zone and try and find the core of this system. Unfortunately, 2016 happened, copper fell below $2 a pound. The cycle went against it. No one's come back and done any work since. So for us, Trundle ticks all the boxes of having some really exciting drill targets. This first hole we've drilled, it surprised us that we got more higher grade near surface, a larger moderate grade intersection in the sky. And then we confirmed definitively that there's a mineralised underlying porphyry. So when you look at its location, the style of mineralisation, we're not saying we've made a commercial discovery today, but from the location, from what we're seeing in the core, we're seeing some good numbers in the scan and the concept that there is a, a source to that that is a much, much larger beast has been confirmed. So I guess off a low base, admittedly, that's why you're probably seeing the share price having a bit of a run. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, I, I, I thought it was extraordinary that you know we were talking about you, you haven't done the assay yet, right? We don't know. You're, you're yeah. telling people it looks good, and they and they believe you because you're in the right postcode head frame. I think you, you, the phrase you used. Um, but what's the what's the plan now? Because you know we you, you've got to, you've got to have a plan about what you're trying to do here. You, you've done what you've done in Mon Mongolia for whatever reason hasn't worked out. You've got the right team with the right experience. If I tell you what, tell me about the team's experience because I'm, I'm interested in the team's experience. Have they done this before? What have they created? You know, do they know what they're doing? So can you sort of run through maybe the main players? Yeah, and, and I guess that's, that's a, a pretty compelling reason for why we've ended up in the region that we have is there's no point just being another junior without having a competitive advantage in a belt. Um, the, the switch to the lock and fold belt was attractive to us because the scale of the prize was the same, world class, porphyry, same style, gold rich copper, same commodity mix. Um, John Holiday, who's our technical director, um, he was the principal discoverer of Cadia, which is the biggest porphyry in this belt. Um, John's still living locally um, and he drilled uh, Trundle when he was at Newcrest um, back in the day where drilling 200 metre deep RC holes was um, pretty cutting edge. Now that's, um, that's pretty compelling and, and obvious, um, particularly in a jurisdiction like this. So John, um, I guess, has that experience in the region. Um, Peter Lehman is another Australian who's our VP of exploration. He's credited with the Rico Dick discovery for BHP. Um, excellent team having those two as the brains trust for the exploration program. Barry DeWitt, who's our um, geophysicist, he was the global head for BHP and he and Peter ran the Falcon survey and the last district scale exploration in Mongolia. So Barry then got poached into Friedland's network 
And he was actually involved with the geophysical survey that we mentioned, Typhoon at Trundle in 2015. So some really deep experience in this belt and specifically also this project. Um, in, in terms of a board, a really strong board um, with Cameron McRae as chairman. Cameron, 28 years with Rio. Um, he was the CEO of Oyatoigoi in Mongolia um, during the construction, uh, commencement of the the construction of the underground and commencement of production from the open pit. On his watch, he spent $6 billion and has built mines across three other continents for Rio. So he's another Aussie um, based now south of Sydney. So there's a lot of local continuity um, that shows that we understand this belt and how to go about looking for copper porphyry. So I guess that's the team in a nutshell. Okay. And these aren't the same guys who are working in Mongolia, are they? Yes, they are. Yeah, the team, the team as it is, um, excluding, excluding a couple of changes at the board, the technical team's been in place since 2016. Right, and who's actually doing anything? People sit on boards all the time. I imagine these guys sit on several boards. So who's actually doing anything which helps you? Yeah, well, Peter, John and Cameron certainly <laughs> aren't sitting um, at home. I guess I should caveat that Peter is because he's stuck in Queensland. He can't get out of the state too easily at the moment. But um, but Peter, uh, sorry, John, Cameron and I were out at site a couple of weeks ago and that's one of the beauties at the moment of, um, I guess, operating in New South Wales, the Central West. Um, COVID has been a big concern, but they've done a pretty good job getting on top of it. And we've taken a lot of changes, i.e. a lot of the guys that we've worked with in Mongolia for years that we'd like to have got to come down, we've got visas for. You've just had to change how you operate the, the program. So okay. getting local drillers from the nearest township, how you interact and do things, but there's no passengers. We're a relatively small team. Um, there's, there's no one in this sort of board and um, management team that's not carrying their weight. Okay, are they all picking up salaries or is it done pro bono? I mean, how, how do you remunerate people? Or yeah, getting, getting salaries, but a significant portion of the, the salary is in equity. So skin in the game, management and board has 9% of the company. 9% of the company. Well, skin in the game is putting their own cash in as opposed to being rewarded in shares. So have they also invested in the company? They have, yeah, we all put money in into the last raising, excluding Peter. But Peter, I should say, has never drawn a cash salary since he's been with us. Fair enough. Good. Um, so I guess, what's the, what's the idea here? You drilled one hole based off, like, I know you, you guys know the area. They've got history. They've got a track record in the area. But what data have you got which informs you, them, the team, you know, where, where this first hole goes in and then what's the plan after that? You've got three million bucks. It's not a lot of cash, but is it enough to do what you're planning to do? Yeah, the, the, the obvious thing for us to start was six holes, 3,800 metres in this first phase of Trundle. Um, we're testing three targets, which have all had previous drilling, um, all got good mineralisation, all got very complementary geophysics, geophysics that was done after um, the last drilling program. And in some instances, like this first hole that we've drilled, we knew that there was an intersection around that area of 56 metres of 0.88 grams a tonne gold, 0.35% copper. Within that, there was two metres of 20 grams and almost 7% copper. That hole's never been followed up. Um, when we looked at the data from the drilling and the geophysics, we thought there was a large target out to the west. No one's ever drilled it. 
So that's where we started. And a similar sort of story with the second hole and the third hole. We'll drill those three targets, then come back, drill the second holes and go through that iteration again. But what this first hole down in Trundle Park, the most southern line in the licence shows, is we've hit more of, we think, the same unit that gave you that two metres of 20 grams and 7% copper. We don't know until we get the assays back, but that same unit looks like it's six and a half metres. Looks like we've got 28 metres in total of pretty reasonable grade. But more important than that, we intersected the porphyry below. And we're not saying that the grades are going to be standout knockout like what we've just talked about, but it confirms our geological model is holding strong and it adds further prospectivity and confidence to what we're looking to do across Trundle. But Trundle is just the start. We've got 1,700 square k's across the whole belt. Again, as a junior, we've got 2.8 million Canadian at the moment. Um, when you're drilling porphyries, it's expensive. So you've got to get your sequencing right. You've got to make sure you don't blow the bank account on day one and you've got to try and create some easy wins then roll out the bigger picture strategy. Give, okay, give me that. That's the that's the, this is the interesting bit. Okay, so you, you don't you don't want to bl blow this out. Absolutely, you've got to be careful of how you spend that money. So, how are you going to be spending the remaining money, and at what point do you go back into the market to get more? Well, I, I think first of all, we have to understand what we've got um, at Trundle and what we've got across the seven other projects we've got in the belt. So the team's been flat out doing technical reviews across all those projects. And some of these other projects need to be drilled. Um, Fairhomes, very similar story to Trundle, um, north of Cal, really good address, right rocks, 60,000 metres of drilling, untested geophysical targets based on Typhoon survey, not by HPX, but by Kaizen Discovery, another freedom vehicle. Um, and that's just been sitting there to be drilled. And so it goes on. So I guess when we started this program at Trundle, only six weeks ago, we were three and a half cents stock. Um, it's pretty hard to get too much traction in terms of what are you going to do with the rest of your portfolio and see people saying, you're a five million market cap, Sam. Good luck to you. You've got to really make what you've got in Treasury work. And I guess the first thing we needed to try and do was get some momentum, get the returning, get some core into the marketplace, get some numbers, and those numbers will come in about five, six weeks. And then from there, outline what's the bigger picture. Have some success with this first program, and then all of a sudden you're in a very different corporate position. So what's that? Is that, is that does that equate to the next half million spent, this drilling? and assessments? Yeah, good question. We'll probably have about one and a half million in the bank after we've done okay. this drilling program. We got yeah. that. Great. That's what I wanted to get at. And obviously, you've got to pay, you've got to pay you know, salaries and overheads and all, all the rest of it. So what's your burn rate? Well, well, with all these things, it depends how much you do. Outside of the drilling, I'm talking about in terms of... Oh, yeah. cash, cash burn rate, overheads yeah. if you're not doing anything. Um, about 900,000. The okay. Cash. Okay, so that gives us a sense that you're going to be. When's this? Sorry, when's this drilling program? Um, a couple of months. It'll be finished in a couple of months. Yeah, and then assays give another month. So three months, phase one, as it currently is. I mean, it could be extended because of we're already seeing more encouragement than what we were proposing. We've got cash in the bank to be able to extend the program. It's always. In our plans, we say we're going to do 3,800 metres. 
you and I both know it's not going to be that exact number because that's expiration. That is expiration. It's, it's fun. It's fun, it's fun it, to be an investor. It is. <laughs> it's uncertain. That's um, that's the nature of the game we play. In. I think I think some look. You, you walk into these things with your eyes open. You know the you know one out of twenty makes it, and um, I'm just interested in understanding if the team's got a plan to maximise their chance of, of making it. Well, the, the the truth will come out, and um, I'd like to think that we'll have some pretty good numbers, some pretty unique numbers in this first hole. Um, and from there, we've just got to keep doing what we're doing, and we've got some money to do a bit of damage um, with the targets that we think we've got. So, yeah, it's it's really good to, to be able to get this message out to the marketplace because um, a lot of people still remember us as a Mongolia story. The yep. focus has somewhat shifted very significantly in a quick time, and we're drilling. And um, we're drilling in that sweet spot where if you hit, have success, you see multiple re-rates. So that's, um, it's good to get that out there because you can't go and see people easily face-to-face at the moment. No, okay. Well, we'll hopefully we'll hopefully you get a good feedback from this. I just, actually, just finally, um, I didn't, we didn't talk about Rarex. The JV. Yeah. Can you just get, just break down that kind of, uh, well, what is the JV structure for me? I and mean, what are you trying to achieve with that? Yeah, so Rarex, we secured two licenses, 100% King Cora, um, before we did the deal with Rarex. Mm. Um, 30th of Jan, we signed an MOU um, with Rarex for six licenses um, or six projects. Um, and for that, um, and we executed that. Uh, in the end of March. Um, for that, we issued 9% of the company, so they're now a 9% shareholder in Kinkora, mm. and we are the operator and sole funder, owning 65% in the project of all those projects until the stage of a positive PEA. Okay. And then it's your typical fund or dilute JV. But one, one interesting thing about Rarex, and it shows the difference between the ASX and the TSXV at the moment, and I guess the domestic knowledge of this belt is Rarex um, in the last week that we've had since the expiration update, they've had about $6 million worth of stock turnover and they're a $10 million market cap. Um, their share price has gone from 2.4 cents, hit seven, I think yesterday, might be back down to mid sixes, but um, that's been phenomenal. And I guess that liquidity in the Aussie space and particularly Aussie gold space, because a lot of people recognise the Macquarie Arc is very gold rich and we're probably going to have some nice gold numbers in this first hole. It's pretty extraordinary seeing that liquidity, but it's not just them, it's across the whole ASX. Yeah, I think it is. And you've answered this question before, but people talked about dual listing. You weren't ready a few months ago. Things have obviously changed. Is, it, is your answer the same or has that changed as well? The, the two questions we seem to get the most at the moment is when are the assay results? Yeah. <laughs> Obvious. Yeah. And have you thought about an ASX listing? And, uh, yeah, I've seen that a lot. I, I think yeah. it's, it's a difficult. So, what's the answer? No, not yet. Well, never say never. Let's do that one. Never say never. And for the and for the ASX, the the honest truth is again sort of touching on um, sort of money's got to go into the ground because that's the fundamental value driver. SA results are universal. You put out. 28 metres of 2% and one, one gram a tonne, people get that. Well, um, also, also but, you, you need to explain that the, the cost of um, listing is, is not cheap. So, you know, do they want you spending money on paperwork 
um, which may lead to liquidity, or do you want to be putting that in the ground? So what, what's, what's it cost in Australia? Well, that's what we're just going through and working out. It looks like it's minimum quarter of a million. Um, and I guess in my mind, that's a couple of hopefully good holes. Um, and we're, we're getting to understand the playing field because now that we're starting to get some results at the asset level, you can start having the luxury of corporate optionality. How else can you add value when you're already starting to see some momentum in the share price? For me, we raised that 6.25 million last year at 10 cents. All corporate options were pretty much shut until I got my head back above par because people gave me money and trusted us at 10 cents. You need to make that work. Um, we've just done a deal. Um, you need to make that deal work. Um, so I guess that's um, until we got the rig turning, got some numbers, got the share price moving the right way, if we had good numbers and good results, um, then, then you can start being a bit more creative. That's interesting. I'm surprised it's that cheap, a quarter of a million. It's about, it's about half a million pounds, if you want to list a name. Well, and that's why we're going through and doing the work at the moment, because it's, it's effectively a new listing. You have to do a prospectus. You have to have an independent technical report, et cetera, et cetera. But it, it seems like it's not too prohibitive. But again, until I've vouched all these numbers myself. At this point. Well, Sam, good speak to you. Let us know how you get on. We'll speak soon. Yeah, we'll do. It's um, been good fun. I, I do um, enjoy this format a lot more than most of the the interviews who just run through your typical list and, and they don't challenge you on anything. So it's um, much more rewarding for the, for the listener too. Thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed the interview, why not subscribe to Cruxcast or our website, cruxinvestor.com and of course our YouTube channel, Crux Investor. Plus, you can catch us most days on Twitter and LinkedIn. We really love getting your feedback, so please keep it coming and we'll speak to you again soon.